Hey everybody, this episode of Finding Freedom on the Lions of Liberty podcast is brought to you by the Pauls to the Wall podcast. Pauls to the Wall is hosted by two libertarian brothers and longtime supporters and listeners of this show, Mike and Nick Paul. Each episode, they interview experts on a whole variety of different topics. Some of their past guests include Scott Horton, Gene Epstein, Pete Quinones, Jason Stapleton, Matt Erickson, and of course, some of the Lions of Liberty, myself and a fellow uh, host here of Electric Liberty Land, Brian McWilliams, have both been on the podcast. We had an awesome time. Of course, outside of the political discussion that they do on the show, they also interview experts on a lot of other interesting topics, such as history, cars, jujitsu, music, barbecue, and so much more, guys. You definitely want to check out this podcast. Paul's to the Wall can be found on all major podcast platforms. Check it out today. Again, that is Paul's to the Wall, P-A-U-L-S, to the Wall. We are born free, and we will die free. The time in between, though, that's complicated. In that time, governments, institutions, and our egos will limit our ability to find true freedom in this life. These are real stories of real people overcoming the odds, persevering in justice, and unlocking their potential. Welcome to Finding Freedom. Here's your host, John Oderman. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Freedom here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, this is your first time here in this podcast. Congratulations and welcome. If it's your second, third, or 100th time, well, thank you for coming back. I appreciate it. And if you haven't yet, please go to wherever you're listening to this and subscribe to the podcast because that helps us and it helps you. It just delivers it to your phone. So you don't have to do any work. You just get d- delivered either today's show on uh, Thursday, Finding Freedom, or Wednesday's show. Electric Liberty Land with Brian McWilliams or Monday's show with uh, Mark Claire, our flagship program. So any three of those shows, you get delivered to your phone by the magic of the internet. It's amazing. Got a great show lined up for you guys today. Going to be talking about a very just impactful and important documentary film that talks about a, a crazy case where we'll get into the details, but it involves two Navy SEALs being implicated in uh, the murder of a young woman. And amazing documentary that's on Amazon Prime. Um, we'll, we'll talk about it when I introduce my guest, but I'm really excited to dive into that. But before we get to that, I want to remind you guys to check out the Burning Daylight podcast. Uh, listener of this show, supporter of this show, uh, Matt McKinley, great guy, host of the Burning Daylight podcast. It's a very, very entertaining program. And Matt, believe it or not, the guy is a cowboy. So what is it? It's a cowboy-based podcast. He's bringing on guys to talk about cowboy shit and uh, a little bit of cowboy humor, a little bit of profanity, stuff like that. Hide the kids, hide the wife, maybe. It's good stuff. You can find the Burning Daylight podcast anywhere. Podcasts are found and Download it, put it in your queue, guys. I promise you will not regret it. All right, let's get rolling into today's show. All right, welcome back to another episode of Finding Freedom here on Lions of Liberty. And I am joined by uh, film director, 
former member of the armed services, did time in the Navy, uh, J.D. Leet. And we're going to talk about just an incredible documentary uh, that he put out. I guess it came out several years ago. I just watched it actually last night with uh, with my wife, and we were just talking be- before the show. I was talking with J.D., just talking about how it's uh, it's so impactful that I find myself just thinking about it uh, throughout the day today. So, J.D., welcome to Finding Freedom. Right on. Thanks for having me. And, J.D., you know, obviously uh, the reason I had you on is to talk about this documentary, and uh, I'll just give a very, very brief intro sort of teaser what it is because we're going to talk about it more in depth and I want to get you know obviously y- your opinions on it and and you to go in depth on it but just so the audience knows uh, it's called Target of Opportunity uh, you can watch it on Amazon Prime and what it do- what it is it's uh from a case back in 1995 I, I believe that uh, two Navy SEALs um, were convicted of murdering a uh, a young woman, murdering and, and raping her and, and uh, disposing of the body. And the documentary just takes you through the trial itself, takes you through later appeals, has just incredible interviews with family members and friends and people who are close to the situation and really reveals that it's it wasn't at all the actually what happened was not at all what uh you know the narrative of the media was uh was, was putting out or what actually you know the court decision which uh convicted these two young men um so we'll get into talking about that but JD so you're you served in the navy correct and uh yeah 22 give years us, give us some some background on uh yeah, on yourself yeah I, I joined in in uh 1982 and uh, I did four years on a ship, the USS Yorktown. Great time. Uh, we were out of Norfolk, uh, you know, did med cruises. And lo- but at the time, I didn't love it. But uh, looking back on it, the great friends traveling around and, and you know, going to ports in Spain and, and the Mediterranean. And it was great time. But then uh, I got the opportunity to go work for the SEAL teams as a communicator, as a single channel uh, satellite operator where I could, I would deploy with the SEALs and, and set up communications with a little small satellite dish and could uh, talk back to uh, Virginia Beach from anywhere in the world and then relay to the SEALs who were forward at the target, uh, whatever directions were being sent back because they couldn't set up a stick, uh, you know, they couldn't travel with a satellite dish on their shoulder like a parrot. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, they so they would they would get small groups of guys that you know they trained us to jump out of planes and to do a, a lot of great stuff. It was an amazing job. And then from there, I didn't even know about this job, but it's called SWIC, which is Special Warfare Combat Crewman. And um, you know, if you Google SEAL SWIC, that's the dot com. That's the, the now it's a closed looped very kind of well-known job but back then nobody knew about it you're just on the boats delivering seals to and from the target so you're you're more of an operator than as as a uh well you are an operator just a different job than the seals but um i did that for a few years beat me up pretty good out there on the ocean i'm i'm kind of a bigger guy and it it, it slammed me around quite a bit but uh you're basically on a cigarette boat going 50 knots in heavy seas it's uh, 
uh, you know, throwing the boats out of planes and jumping after them. And it was an amazing, great job. But um, I was getting ready to retire. I'd gone down and worked in Panama with the uh, Special Operations Command South down there and uh, closed that down in 99 when we had to leave Panama and was teaching a class. We're going to schoolhouse when 9-11 happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was looking at my retirement, but I, I volunteered to go back to the communications at the SEAL team and was the ops chief at uh, the SEAL team. Everybody knows, but I still don't talk about. But uh, we uh, deployed over and uh, I was in Afghanistan for a while. <clears throat> then I came back and retired. But that whole last bit, when I was getting ready to retire, I was getting ready to make documentaries. I knew that's what I wanted to do. I was going to classes. Um, that's why I'd taken that short duty job that it took until 9-11 happened. Um, so I, I, I really wanted to go get bin Laden. Um, I believed all of that stuff then. I'm, I'm not so sure anymore. Um, but, uh, you know, I was a patriot, probably what you might call a neocon. Um, but I had started, well, we'll get into it. I was involved in the war on drugs in Colombia in the, in the early nineties. Um, and some of my libertarians, uh, feelings started taking over. Then I started questioning what we were doing in the war on drugs in, in Colombia and, uh, you know, spent time that embassies and things and really started to wonder what's really going on here. So I had a, a, a an anarchist streak the last 10 years of being in the Navy. And then when I got out, um, I started working on this movie. Mm-hmm. And now instead of just foreign uh, affairs and, and the, the war machine, I was looking at the, the justice system and the criminal, uh, the penal system and our jail. I spent a lot of time in prisons and courtrooms, and I urge everybody to go do that, and you will come back a Rothbardian um, anarchist. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think you're, uh, this documentary does a great job of just showing the faults, just you can plainly see the faults with our justice system, that it's, you know, people say, or I, I often say it's it's broken, and yes, it's broken because so often, most of the time, they're not looking for truth. Um, there's there's different incentives, different motivations, and those are often what would lead to the, uh, the different decisions. But I wanted to uh, so to start talking about. Well, let me just enter yeah. uh, a feature, not a bug. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not working for us, but it's working fine for them. Exactly. So this, uh, this documentary, Target of Opportunity, and the, the two, uh, two Navy SEALs who are you know, the, uh, you know, the two guys who uh, were convicted of this murder in the documentary, Dustin Turner and Billy Joe Brown, and uh, they were convicted of murdering Jennifer Lee Evans. When's the first time you, you heard of this? How did you get, get interested was, in, uh, in this? Yeah, it's crazy. I was uh, attached to a SEAL team in 1995 before I went to Panama. And uh, when this happened, I was in Virginia Beach and this happened. It was like a bomb went off in the community. It was everybody was so angry. And so, uh, you know, it was in the paper every day. And 
you know, two SEALs. I was a SWIC by this time. So I'm working with SEALs every day out on the boats, you know, training, training, training. Mm -hmm. And they were so angry and I understood it, but being a little bit of an outsider and also just kind of a, a, a contrarian by nature, it just didn't make sense to me that two SEALs with that kind of training would do something this stupid that you had no chance of getting away with that you, uh, you know, as soon as I read it, they, they're, they everything they did was so unsealed, like, like blaming each other. Um, that's abducting a girl for sex is so, you know, cowardly. It's a cowardly act. And I just, as cocky and obnoxious as these guys can be, there's no cowards. There's nobody that's, that's, um, that I could imagine one guy abducting a girl for sex, but let alone two, like one guy saying to the other, Hey, I got this idea. And then if they did do it, how would they do it? Anybody that understands how we do things knows that you wouldn't go to a bar where people know you, you wouldn't show her friends, your ID, you wouldn't, all of those things, as I was reading it, as it came out, didn't make sense to me, but I, I was active duty in the Navy, but I didn't, dig in the way I did once I started making the movie. And once I started being lied to by police and prosecutors and be, and get, catching them in, in lies that they, it, you know, that, that was the biggest mistake they could make if they'd just been square with me and, and, uh, you know, but they weren't. And that made me wonder why, why are they lying about it? the same thing that caught Turner and Brown lying about being drunk. Brown lied about drinking is what got him. That's what made the police know that he's lying when they were telling, when they were lying to me about, um, you know, the interrogation tapes not existing and, and uh, not being allowed to go talk to Brown and all these things that they told me that ended up not being true. Um, it just, I dug in harder and, uh, and it was, it was a lot of work, but it was kind of fun. Yeah. So was this the first documentary that, yes. that you made? Wow. Yes. Jumped in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Got in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I not only took on the Navy SEALs, but the, uh, the, the Virginia uh, uh, legal system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good. Good. First. Uh, if you only want to make one movie, that's probably the way to go. Take on so, those. So, so when you started, did you have, I mean, did you have an idea of what the the outcome would be that you? Well, I guess. No. So I'm trying to put the the timeline together because there is one point. What is it in 2008? Is that when they had right? Okay, and so I you started prior to 2008. Had, right, I I had been working on it, and and uh, and uh, uh, Brown. We I always worry about exposing too much in these things, you know, because the the movie does try to give you information, right? And, yeah, and, and and uh, but Brown had written his. I didn't know any of this when I started, but Brown had written his lawyer in 1999, telling him that he had lied in in trial and all of these things, and nobody knew about this, and his lawyer hadn't done anything, and um, uh, um, what's crazy is that a lot of things that I didn't know even when I made the movie, a, a, a woman named Lisa Spees uh, watched my film, became so upset, she quit her job, started a nonprofit, and, uh, 
Uh, she has talked to Billy Brown uh, extensively, and we know so much more about this uh, than we even knew in the in the when I made the film. But uh, when, look, what you're asking about how much did I know Brown hadn't come forward uh, until uh, I think 2004. He did a written affidavit uh, that, of course, changed everything. Then in 2008, I had a I had a cut. I was living in L.A. Had a cut that was pretty good, but it didn't have Brown on the stand. And then Turner gets his day in court in 2008, and I pick up and move to uh, Virginia mm-hmm. and r- recorded that the Virginia Beach trial, uh, then the appellate court, then the the Supreme Court, um, and uh, they let me in. They, uh, they let me into the prisons. They don't let people into the prisons in Virginia anymore. Uh, I think I have something to do with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't get into a level three prison anymore with a camera. Yeah, because you had extensive interviews with uh, Turner. Or those yeah. were from, from the prison, obviously. Right, exactly. Brown was in a level five, so I couldn't do it anyway, but he wasn't. You know, I, I, the, getting him in court was how I got him on camera. Mm-hmm. Because he wasn't granting interviews, but it's like he says on the stand. How would you like to not not only be the guy that murdered some innocent girl, but then blamed your best friend and let him take the rap for it? Um, right. It's uh, he didn't want to deal with that, you know. He, he, you know, it took him years to to finally come clean. Um, one thing that was really cool and. Uh, sort of surprising, but it seemed like you had a good amount of footage of Brown and Turner going through their SEALs training. So how, how well, did- this is how you know when, when you're thinking about writing a book or or because uh, there's just so much to this story that a mm-hmm. book you could really do something with. And it really, that, that should have been an episodic. You know, when I started working on it, there weren't really episodic Netflix. Uh, but that should, there's so much to this. Uh, but so I was looking for an, a great catch on that, and it, it and it's a fairly interesting story and kind of unbelievable that you know that uh, uh, some being had his hand on my shoulder leading me mm-hmm. uh, uh, because I was looking for footage, news footage in Virginia Beach from the time that I could license, pay for, and use, uh, uh, which eventually I found, but they, they didn't do it. There's a service there that a woman named Susan Maddox has a, a service that will find footage for you. She couldn't do it. It was so old that, that you know, they couldn't find it. And uh, this is about 2007. Um, and she says, but I, you know, I was a producer for the news channel that we shot a, 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 a bunch of footage of a BUDS class. And BUDS is basically underwater demolition seals. It's the training that goes through. It's out in Coronado Island. And I was like, that's very rare. They don't let cameras into that training very often. That's very unusual. And she goes, yeah, we, we did a little bit, you know, did a little episode for the news on it. And I have the footage in my garage with all this other footage. So I said, well, send it to me. I was in L.A. And, uh, you know, months go by. I call her. She goes, oh, I, I haven't even looked for it. I, I'm not, it's in my garage. I said, look, I'll come out there. I went out and did a pickup interview with uh, some people in Virginia Beach. And I went to her house and went to her garage. And there were 
I don't know, 70 boxes of tapes, of BBC Pro tapes. So, so she goes, it's in there. It's, it's, it's labeled seals. So I just start digging through boxes and I come across these boxes made seals and open it up. And, uh, there's 33 tapes, but I don't have a tape deck that'll play these. So I have to take them back to LA. She, uh, uh, license them to me. She has no idea, but it, she had shot it in 1995 or, or 1994. So I knew I had a good chance that it could be their class, that uh, there would have been three classes that it, it could have been, I mean, that she could have shot. And uh, so I plugged that first tape in and they go across the helmets as they're sitting watching a graduation and it says 194 on their helmets and I, I just about lost it i was like um but then even then they may not be on camera then i yeah. start rolling through these films and they're rock stars they're on so much of it because they're getting yelled at all the time they're big guys and that happens a lot to big guys uh um because they're a little slower they, it's harder to do pull-ups and get up the oak course and things like that and brown especially he was if you look at that footage he was a beast he was mm -hmm. a big six three two. He put on weight in buds. Nobody does that, but he was doing steroids like you know, no tomorrow. And drinking uh, and doing steroids, right? Yeah, perfect. Let's train him. Let's train him to kill. Perfect guy. Yeah, horrible alcoholic with a with doing three times the steroids. If you're if anybody did him, he was doing three times the dosage and not cycling off. So. By the time that poor girl, which let us never forget that Jennifer Evans is the, mm -hmm. is the victim that, you know, I, uh, her family didn't participate and I understand and I left them alone because that is the true victim. But then when you, you know, when you got Brown telling you how it happened and you look at all the evidence, you've got to, you've got it. We deserve a better system. This is not what I fought for. Yeah, not to give too much away, but I think yeah. uh, everybody should watch this. But I, I think when when people do watch it, you know, you, you'll be slapped in the face and and see, like I said at the top of the show, really, you know, how disjointed our system is, where the prosecution is able to. And I forget who it was that said it was like a performance art, maybe like who can perform better. And they said the the prosecution performed better, and they did this ridiculous thing where they brought um, because uh, you know a car was used in the uh, in the murder, so they brought in car seats like that's supposed to somehow actually you know be a you know comparable um, you know, yeah, comparable I mean, scene to an actual car when you don't have any of the car around you just the seats yeah and two guys six three two hundred plus. In a little tiny geo storm, yeah. and they've got them moving around because there's no shell of the car on them. They have them moving, or and it's them. It's the prosecutor, his secretary, and a deputy, you know, playing the three parts. But it's so. Whereas the car was right out in the, they could have easily taken, but uh, the defense did did a horrible job in Turner's case of getting. They didn't get any of their stuff in, and it didn't seem like they were even trying. But you got to remember, the community wanted both these guys hung. They want every, I, I don't mean the SEAL community, but in a sense, they did too. But 
but um the the community you know this was very it's a tourist town you got military there that step on people's toes um it's you, you know it can be it's kind of symbiotic but but uh this case really hurt tourism really hurt the navy's reputation um so there wasn't a lot of sympathy for a guy that, that drove away from a murder. Again, I, I don't, it gets so, you, you know, we could just talk about it completely, mm-hmm. but I really, uh, it, the, you kind of know the story now, but it, you, until you watch the film and, and see how brilliant I am at putting it together. That, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I'm, 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 not, I'm not just blowing smoke here. It is, it's, it's, it is brilliantly put together. I mean, I said that. <laughs> in our pre-show chat, just talking about and and my wife after, after we finished watching last night, she's sitting there and she's like, so he's, he's still in prison. Yeah. He's, 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 he's going to, yeah. going to die in prison. Um, so yeah, it's yeah. one of those things that'll not that it's going to haunt you in a bad way, but it, it, it'll, it'll stick with you. Definitely. And it's why, you know, a lot of people go, how could Lisa Spee's, you know, she owns a a, 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 um, a software company. She still ha- has ownership in that, but she's basically dedicated her life to uh, finding wrongful convictions and, and trying to help and uh, works with the Innocence Project and it's gotten people out of prison, gotten done great things. And it started from watching that film and being so, so upset, so shaken and seeing Turner and, and knowing like, is this guy for real? Like, but you know, when you take a seal, that's not like Billy Brown, not somebody that should never have been involved, never been allowed into the seals with all the violence he had in mm-hmm. his history. And, uh, and then you take a kid like Turner. Well, is, is, is that, uh, sorry to cut you off there, but is that really, is that really true? I mean, wouldn't the seals almost be looking for, that well, maybe, maybe not to that extent, yeah, but that's a good question. Yeah, I never, I, I, I've never used to think that way, but uh, I, I definitely think that there's. Uh, uh, I used to always. Uh, I worked for a great master chief seal, and he used to tell me, "Look, it's ten percent of us take make the ninety percent act right." You know that you they're they're crazy. You know, so uh, it's up to us to to keep them in check. But I don't. Yeah, not not drinking yourself to passing mm-hmm. out and and doing, um, you know, the, the guy was suicidal. The guy had, had stood on a ledge of a of a building in Puerto Rico and almost jumped off. Um, again, things that I've found out since, you know, I I would have people call me the first year or two it was out and say, man, I I uh, I was the manager at Pizza Hut where Billy Brown. I fired him and he, he stalked me for two weeks and then beat the crap out of me. And, wow. uh, but yeah, yeah, that might be who, I mean, we need people to go first through the door, right? We need people to run into the building when they're bad guys there. And, and Billy would definitely do that, but you're taking your chances with somebody that knows how to do what he can do and drinks himself to passing out drunk and does three times the recommended dosage of steroids. Yeah, so so you're you're not looking for a, a psychopath, really, which is what right. Billy Brown is. Yeah, but you're looking for for someone who's you know, maybe just 
just uh, on the brink of that almost, but, yes. but able, able to contain it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can keep it in check and, and not, and, but it's ready to go, ready to go when it's time to go. But she's just got to have a good filter on when it's time to go. And not all of them do. Not all of them do. And uh, yeah, that's the, I think that they're way better at it now. I mean, this thing brought a lot of attention on them that the Navy sued. I mean, the Evans family sued the Navy about the training and said that, uh, you know, this training took two normal kids and turned them into psychopaths. And, and uh, basically the guy that did the investigation, uh, John Floyd said, yeah, no, this training, he went through every bit of the modules of Bud's training and said, no, that's, we let a psychopath in, but it, we didn't turn mm-hmm. anybody into a psychopath. Um, now, I, I think Brown is is better than he was. I think that a lot of this uh, religion that he's found is, uh, at first, I didn't, I saw it as so narcissistic, the way that he would sit, because it's about himself. It's a deal that he's made with God to save himself which is narcissism, which is one of the traits in the Hare, uh, Robert Hare psychopath test, right? Um, he's c- extremely narcissistic. But over time, I think I think he's a better person than he was then. But mm-hmm. uh, that's not saying much. Yeah. I'm curious to get, so you talked a little bit about running into some issues with, uh, you know, getting, I guess, interviews with prosecutors and, and things of that nature. And uh, I, I guess the actual uh, interrogations, they tried to block those tapes from you. Can, can you talk about some of that stuff? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, I, one of the things I wish I had done was run uh, that last thing of, uh, uh, you know, as credits were rolling of all the people that turned me down for interviews because it tells you a lot because no police, um, that none of the investigators, none of the, the, the prosecutor at the time, um, you know, Bob Humphreys, not a, none of those people would participate. And the way I got the one, there's one hour of interrogation that got entered into Brown's trial where Brown is being interrogated by this cop, by this police officer, uh, um, Al Byram. And, um, you know, his story doesn't, he's, you know, he switched his story a few times already and Al Byron's got him caught, got him like the police officer I have in the film that evaluates that says, you know, this, he's got him right where he wants him. Like get him to, you know, you've caught him in a lie. Now, now go in for the kill. And, and he never does because it would have ruined the case against Turner. Um, so, but I had a, that had been an exhibit in his case, so I got that from the court. They just uh, <laughs> I'd written and asked for it, and and I left California and went to Virginia and went to the court and asked for it, and they gave it to me. Then I got back to uh, California, and there was a letter saying, "Oh no, we can't give it to you because of this and this and this." That was from the prosecutor's office, but I'd gone to judge. Judge uh, Shockwell Bonley, the, the the judge in Brown's mm-hmm. case, Brown's trial, and she'd just given it to me. So whatever they were saying about all that was 
was the prosecutor lying to me that no, that they just turned it over to me that, and, and, uh, we don't have to have a hearing and we don't have to have the Evans family there and all these things he said we had to do for me to get this tape. But then I'm watching all this news footage that I have. And, it, 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 you know, they guaranteed me that was the only tape from this interrogation. And it flies by uh, Byron screaming at Brown, which isn't in the tape that I have. He's screaming at him. You know, you, I know you're lying. And and it's got a time code that's like four hours later than the last second, last frame of the tape that I have. So they've got hours and hours of this tape that they're not they're pretending doesn't exist. They ignore freedom of information requests. And um, that isn't that unusual in this world. Uh, you'll find out in, in uh, these kind of documentaries, they just ignore, they, you know, they want you to spend a bunch of money on lawyers and then eventually not give it to you anyway. So uh, yeah, I know that there's more tapes and I'm curious what it, why it's they don't want him out what because that was that was the day after brown was arrested and and he's still trying to figure out what his story is mm -hmm. and even in the hour that i have it's clear that he's lying that neither of his stories match the car's evidence the car he's saying in both stories that she's in the back seat and in one he holds her down and turner kills her and the other one turner kills her alone before he even gets to the car but there's no evidence of her in the back seat and the seats don't configure the way that he said they do where he's reclined back. They don't go that way. And I know that that's going to be exposed in those tapes if they would let me, let me see them. Yeah. I mean, what they're hiding is probably just even more so blatant evidence that, you know, they only did this just to get, I mean, just to keep them both on the hook, you know, they didn't want to let. Right. You don't, you don't want to let right. someone who's actually innocent get away. Right. Um, you not don't, totally you don't innocent. Just... I think, I mean, Turner obviously did not to get too much into the d details of it, but, you know, right. did have, what was it fault in some way, but. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I would argue that some of it is training taking over, but some of it is self, you know, he didn't want to lose being a seal. Some of it is maybe fear of Brown. It's hard to say, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, and some people just don't believe Brown now or Turner ever, and uh, th they're free to, you know, that's that's fine. Just I just want everybody to know the facts, and then if they want to say, "Oh, the the heck with him," he he was involved in some way. Um, that's you know, not much I can do about that. But as far as destroying evidence, what it always makes me think of is, uh, you know, uh, you don't destroy thirty three thousand emails for no reason. Right. Uh, uh, you know, Hillary Clinton and, mm -hmm. and the uh, right. There's a reason why you would do something like that. Just wipe, just wipe, wipe the just, server, just wipe yeah, it yeah. Like with a cloth. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's not, it, 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 I feel the same way about these tapes that they're, they're not giving them to me for a reason because it's going to say something. Yeah. I mean, the, the prosecution, obviously that that's an easy bad guy to point to here um, in, in, in this case, but, but also, uh, Turner's lawyer. I mean, I, I don't know if he was just, you know, sort of getting towards the end of his career and didn't care. But I yeah. mean, it was a, a joke of a defense, really. Yeah, it was it was incredible. And the, uh, I was just reading the uh, uh, the closing arguments, getting ready for this interview, and 
and it's incredible. I mean, that's that's when you got got all the stuff that's been presented, and you're making your argument to the. And he was a buffoon. He he was confused, didn't understand his own case. Uh, it was all that Turner was just too good looking to to do something like this. So look at him. He doesn't have to abduct anybody. And even though that, you know, tell Ted Bundy that, um, mm-hmm. it, it, it doesn't work. You know, to say, oh, Billy Brown looks like a killer. Dusty doesn't look like a killer. Well, there were some girls that thought Brown was more attractive. It's always funny when I, when I watch with a group of with, with women that are like, man, those were really handsome young men, like really handsome young men. And, and it's true. They, they, they were, uh, you know, young seals. Yeah. I mean, it's no, uh, it's not surprising why this, you know, captured the media. You have the, you know, these two, two young attractive men, Navy seals, uh, this media narrative immediately goes into this, you know, thing about them being out, you know, trolling for threesomes and all this stuff. Just, uh, yeah, yeah, it's not yeah, surprising. Group sex, tag team. Yeah, yeah the, the the reading the media at the time, it's just they immediately go to all this, and 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 the prosecutor, incredible. Just it's like uh, the idea that she could be out there in the car with Turner alone, not having sex, just seemed outrageous to that. Like, no, that that happens. <laughs> <laughs> that happens where people meet at a bar and go out to a car and don't just immediately start having sex. Um, this, you know, it's like crazy, but the, yeah, it, it, it was a lot of transference in some of this stuff. Yeah. So I, I don't want to go too much more into the de- detail of, uh, of the doc because I do want everyone to watch right. it. And of course I'll, I'll link to it on the show notes page or, you know, everyone, everyone has Amazon prime because everyone gets packages delivered to their house in two days or less. So just go on your Prime app and just type in uh, Target of Opportunity. It'll pop right up and you can watch it. Or Seal seal Murder. That's a good one. That Like if you just type in Seal Murder, it'll it'll Mm -hmm. pop right up. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, yeah, that's what I recommend. Amazon Prime. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's easy for everybody to get to. Or, or can people buy it? I mean, how, how else could people? If someone's anti Amazon, well, how else can someone iTunes, access it? On iTunes, you can buy it. I don't. I don't do DVDs. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I just I made that business call of uh, whether it was worth it to to do that. So, um, I mean, most laptops don't even come with DVDs in them anymore. So, the streaming is right. is the way to go. And uh, and yeah. Uh, I like Amazon Prime. It's the best for me. So will it be on there? Is it on there for like a, a limited amount of time now or is it? No, I, I think it, well, at any point they could take it down, but, but mm-hmm. as long as it keeps doing well, they won't. I, I, I we don't have a, a drop dead date on it, but uh, um, I'll figure out other things to do at that point. But uh, right. I mean, it's, it got to number eight on iTunes. Um, back in 2017. Um, but, you know, I figure there's about 30,000 people have seen it. That leaves, you know, 300 million in America. So, uh, you know, shows like yours, 
it's a it's a libertarian film. It doesn't. I mean, I'm not pushing that, but mm -hmm. do you do you feel that way after watching it? It definitely. I mean, definitely is libertarian um, undertones. Well, even more so than I mean, it's yeah, like like I. It really shows it's a real life example of how broken the criminal justice system is um, for the people it's supposed to be serving, but it serves, um, you know, the the judges and the prosecutors and and even the uh, defense attorneys who some of yes. them go on to get positions as, as they judges. Are, they become after judges. This. Yeah, so exactly, and and it's a, it's the thing that I wish libertarians would go stronger on um criminal justice reform it's mm -hmm. it's it's the most power that states have over us and uh, you know they can come to your house and kill you or they can take you in and say you did this and they if they want to they can find you guilty if, if you think that yeah. our system really works you need to go to courthouses and watch for a few days and you'll realize that this system is not what what we pay for or fight for or anything else yeah. and they have so much power especially the the federal system i tell people all the time i mean if you're ever indicted on a federal charge i mean you're you're going to be plain you don't you don't doesn't matter if you know you're innocent and you can prove it or you think you can prove it you can't i mean they're right they, they yeah. will get you if they want to on something oh yeah yeah but um, one last question. Uh, so making this documentary, this is the first documentary you made. I'm curious, you know, throughout this whole process, and this is sort of like an open-ended question. You can take whatever you want to. Um, what, what was the most surprising aspect of either just making a documentary um, or of, of the case itself um, or something else? But was there something that as you look back on it, you're like, wow, I, I did not expect that to happen? Well, in the story, the two things. I'll start with the, the the making of a documentary, going to L.A., and my assumption that everybody would be as fired up about and want to make this thing, and and be. But the availability of editors and everything, it, it, the fact that there was an innocent guy in prison and I could prove it to him in ten minutes, didn't matter. Um, you know, everybody's building their careers. Everybody's will people will leave a project in the middle of it if another project that's better for their career comes up. Very, uh, and I was there during this during the writer strike, and so you can imagine, you know, I love scabs, and uh, uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, you know, like uh, so the uh, yeah, fitting into LA was a bit of a, a, a difficult for me. But, you know, the ex-military. Um, uh, so, you know, and the idea that those people are liberal is mm -hmm. is a joke. Uh, and uh, so, um, but story-wise, Anitra Branion, I knew she had dated Turner. She had dated Turner, and uh, she testified in Turner's trial. So I had located her. She's in Virginia Beach, and I'm, I'm questioning her. And then she starts telling me, well, um, yeah, then 
uh, you know, the, the murder happened on Monday night. Wednesday, Billy comes into town from AP Hill and we go out to dinner and a movie. And I'm like, what? And she goes, yeah, I started dating Billy after I dated Turner. And so, so it's like, I, I didn't know anything about it. Well, oh, yeah, Billy was writing me letters telling me that he loved me. And then it was all it was all Turner's fault. And then I started reading the letters and comparing them to the previous letters. And I would catch him in lies. Mm-hmm. And then as it, 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 as it went, like the stories don't match up like this doesn't, you know, and then she basically catches him in, in lies and then goes to, to Turner's mother. And, um, you know, that she was called as a witness, but none of that came up. That should have been that should have come up. The Jude Franco, the guy that turned that Brown confessed to in, in the county jail, offered up to come. Uh, testify for Turner, but Bridges said, you know, oh, he's a, he's a, a, a he pushes drugs. He'll, he'll, he won't hurt, he won't help us, but I think he would have helped them. I think that uh, if Brown is telling people all the way back in 96 what happened, that, you know, they could have, they, they should have called him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, from a story thing, uh, from a story thing, there was just like, Boy, if just an investigator had done half of what I was doing, Turner wouldn't be in prison. Yeah. It's it's really, I mean, it's a sad documentary, but at the same time, it's uh, it's very necessary. And it, it's funny that, you know, um, my it kind of reminds me of my show <laughs> in a way, because a lot <laughs> of times I'll bring on people who have been through the criminal justice system. And a lot for nonviolent crimes, for drug crimes, conspiracy crimes, things like that. And they'll be doing 10, 20, 25 years in prison. And often the feedback I get on, on, on my show on those interviews is yeah, it was an amazing interview, you know, but I just, you know, felt, you know, I felt sad afterwards. I'm like, well, that's really not what I'm going for. Right. Um, you know, I'm trying to like kind of <laughs> show like the uh, inspiring side of it, the, the way that this individual, because I mean, honestly, a lot of the time their story is they come out and they're not, it's not like a pity party. They're not, you know, feeling that they've, yes, they, they feel they've been wronged, but they're grateful for the opportunity at a, at a second chance on life. And um, so I try to, I try to highlight that aspect of it as well, but it's, it's tough. That is uh, speaking of which that is another surprise was going into prisons as much as I did before I went in the first time. I was expecting it to be, you know, skinheads and Oz and, and you know, a bunch of big muscle-bound dudes. And it's not. It's young kids on drug charges. That mm-hmm. The prisons are full of that. Of that. It's not at all what we think. Of. Now, maybe the high-level federal prisons are. But, um, yeah, that was another big surprise of who who is in these Prisons. Yeah, for sure. Well, JD, I'm grateful for uh, the time you gave us today. And um, if you just want to, anything else you have to plug or to uh, to talk about, no, you want to share with the no, audience? It, uh, no, it was great to have you on. It's a great show. And keep up the fight uh, for liberty and uh, fight for freedom. And please watch watch my film and uh, Comment, write reviews, write reviews on uh, Amazon or 
iTunes. That, that helps a lot. Uh, the reviews are pretty solid. If people aren't aren't sure about uh, taking an hour and a half, uh, hour and forty minutes, uh, read the reviews. Yeah, for sure. I will go and do that right after this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's great, John. Thanks. Thanks again for your time. Thank you. Hey guys, uh, long time supporter of the show, Tyler Colford. Uh, awesome guy, very talented rapper, musician. Um, he has a new song out, uh, coming out with a music video also. And uh, the song is called First World Problems. It's by Intrinsic and Crypto Man. Crypto Man is, uh, is Tyler. I've heard it. It's an awesome song. Unfortunately, I wanted to play you guys a little clip from it. During this ad here today, fortunately got a little snag with getting the audio of that all uh, buttoned up. So not going to have it for you here. But what you can do is you can go to Spotify and uh, just type in First World Problems. Um, It'll pop right up and you can listen to it. So check it out. And uh, next week, I will have a little preview for you. But in the meantime, go listen. First World Problems. Intrinsic and Crypto Man. Hope you all enjoyed that interview on Finding Freedom, another awesome guest. And hopefully you guys also have subscribed to the Lions of Liberty podcast and you're getting all three of our unique shows in your uh, little listening device delivered to your ears. Um, If you haven't, please do that. Just go to your app. You know how to do it and subscribe. You can also leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. We would prefer if you did it on Apple Podcasts, but anywhere you can on the internet, please leave us a positive comment. Also, the three shows that we have, uh, Monday's show with uh, Mark Clare, our flagship program, our longest running program, and uh, on Wednesday, Electric Liberty Land with Brian McWilliams. Um, Those guys have been killing it, and I am so excited about the direction of Lions of Liberty. Um, We're seeing some awesome numbers right now, and we're going to continue to grow, so it's great stuff. If you want to support us, we would love that too. Please go to patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. You can uh, support us for as little as a couple bucks, or if you get in at a higher level, you get merchandise and access to us and all the way up to you can advertise on the show or get to even produce a show. So check it all out, patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. And if you haven't checked it out yet, please consider checking out the Lions of Liberty store where we have some awesome t-shirts. We have a taxation is death t-shirt with an awesome design. We have a wax on tax off t-shirt. And we're always coming up with new ideas and adding new t-shirt designs to the store. Check that out at lionsofliberty.store. And if you're in the pride, you get a discount on anything you buy in the store. So you do both of those things and you win. That's all I got, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning. 